Welcome to Pilot Boys, episode 126. We're on our news and notes today. We got a bunch of NFL offseason news for you. We've got some March Madness going on, and it has been amazing to watch. And we got a little bit of Grammys tea to spill a little later on after that. So stay tuned. Buckle up your seatbelts. Put your tray tables up. The Pilot Boys are about to take off. Let's go. Welcome to the Pilot Boys podcast, where you will get the reel on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. All right, V, let's talk about some NFL news. We were texting all weekend about all this, all the moves that we saw being made. Yeah, it's the quarterback bonanza for the last two weeks in the NFL. They really know how to stay keep that keep their headlines going, whether the season is going or not. Uh, obviously, the biggest headline here is the hometown Cleveland Browns acquiring uh, Deshaun Watson in a very uh, shrewd manner, uh, to put it lightly. Um, just wanted to, to, to first get your thoughts on it. I have some extensive thoughts, but I wanted <laughs> to get yours first. This is it's an interesting move. I mean, I think, you know, first and foremost, there's, you know, the, the personal kind of character side of this which i think as an organization like you do have to keep in mind what your reputation is and i think that for the browns this definitely damages their reputation and it's not to say you know we don't know what is or isn't true about deshaun watson but what we do know in life is that when a situation gets that messy usually everyone's at fault in at least some way there's usually no totally innocent party so there definitely is some sort of mess happening right now um but for the browns it's interesting because seeing them really kind of do baker a little bit dirty in the way that they went after deshaun watson and then to go after a player who hasn't hasn't played in a year or a couple years and had all these legal court cases and then to to give him one of the best contracts for quarterbacks in the league is a really really you know curious move and i think one that left a lot of people feeling a type of way, not only because, you know, of the uh, the accusations against Deshaun Watson, but um, the speed after the, you know, criminal uh, charges were were not, um, you know, once once they were ruled, it was ruled to not be a criminal case, the speed at which this contract was done, the level of the guarantees superseding what, you know, many, many quarterbacks in the NFL have, and um, again, you know, the fact that the Browns already had, you know, a serviceable quarterback in Baker Mayfield, it was interesting to see how all of this went together. They had denied, we talked about this last week, denied his trade request. Now, obviously, they're going to look to trade him most likely. It was weird, man. And I think, you know, as a, as a guy from Ohio, it just showed me why the Bengals are a much better run organization than the Browns, to be honest. <laughs> It's just like you can't win if you're a Browns fan, right? And that's that's exactly what happened here in this scenario. Um, what, what's troubling about this is, again, it's like a, a indictment on society and the changing landscape of society, right? I question whether or not most people even go through moral dilemmas anymore. It's <laughs> what am I trying to get accomplished? And it doesn't matter um, whether it's morally questionable or not. 
Um, specifically in this case, you know, we've heard this, and this isn't restricted to this situation or football. We've seen it with corporate greed in business. It's almost like there's this this old adage that if if you're not if you're not um, cutting some corners, you're not really trying to win. Um, and I think this is a unique situation in this sense is that the NFL continues to have problems with how it addresses um, and manages the issues of its players um, when it comes to sexual assault and sexual sexual accusations. Ben Roethlisberger basically admitted to sexually assaulting a woman and they gave him a, he settled out of court so there would be no criminal investigation or criminal charges. And they gave him a six game suspension, which they reduced to four games. Um, and in this scenario also, um, it seems like Deshaun Watson will face some sort of suspension eventually. And that's what makes this even sadder is the way that they convinced him to come to Cleveland was by basically structuring the contract. So next season, he only collects a $1 million check. So if he's suspended for those four to six games, it's not going to impact his contract in any significant manner. And that's really where this, this thing really gets disgusting is winning by any means necessary in the sense that the civil case has not been decided and people are the people who are defending Deshaun Watson don't fully understand how the legal process works. Um, most sexual assault cases that are reported, a lot of them um, do not actually go to trial. There's lack of evidence oftentimes in these situations, and they're very difficult to prosecute. And that's why a lot of them aren't even brought to the table. Um, there's data on this that, that I'll pull up in a, in a little bit, but, but that just because they did not pull, push the criminal charges, that just made them believe that there wasn't enough evidence to convict here. It doesn't mean that nothing happened and they are saying that Deshaun Watson is innocent. And there are 23 pending civil cases that have been not yet been resolved. And so what makes this murky and shady is that the Browns are acknowledging basically that he's going to get in trouble. You know, um, what we're going to do is minimize the amount of damage that trouble does to you, regardless of the outcome of these sexual assault cases. He's likely going to have to settle these cases because if you look at the details here, um, he's likely going to have to settle these cases, you know, yeah. um, for a large sum of money. And the NFL will probably suspend him four to six games, but to kind of shirk that responsibility and say, Hey, we're not going to hold you accountable at all because you're a star quarterback and you can help us win a Super Bowl, um, leaves a foul taste in, in anybody's mouth who has any sort of moral compass. Yeah. And I mean, this is, you know, it, what you said is really wise. We, the, the they the way that they went about this, they acknowledge a lot of what Deshaun Watson is accused of implicitly in the yep. contract structure. And so to make a move like that is just it's disappointing and I just don't think it has a place in sports, to be honest. No, it doesn't. And then you look at the details here and you know, the attorneys for the women have said um that no NFL team contacted them during the process. So they're not even trying to hear the other side of the story. They basically decide, okay, there's no criminal charges here. Um, he's not going to jail. He's a great quarterback. 
um, let's do whatever we need to do. And I saw an interesting article that was written contrasting this with how they've handled Colin Kaepernick, right? If you abuse women, um, it's okay. But if you take a stand, you know, whether you agree with his stand or not, but if you take a stand for something that is meaningful, you may never have gainful employment, specifically if you're Colin Kaepernick and you don't have the skill level of a Deshaun Watson. But if you do have the skill level of a Deshaun Watson, uh, it doesn't really matter. It's just a matter of as long as you don't get caught and you don't actually pay the price, then we're going we're gonna to do whatever we need to do. And the thing that's specifically troublesome about this when it comes to sports, with sports organization versus a corporation, right? Most sports teams are community-based organizations um, that impact the community that they're in. What kind of signal does this send um, to the community? Because there are, there are taxpayer, city taxpayer dollars attached to this. There are kids who are very actively involved and influenced by this team for this ownership to kind of just say, fuck our morals. Um, and in a Midwestern city like Cleveland, um, reeks of the desperation to just win um, by any means necessary. And as you said, in addition to that, regardless of how you feel about Baker Mayfield, I don't personally think he's the quarterback of the future of the Browns, so I'm going to be clear there. But the way that they handled this situation um, was was – also left a foul taste, regardless of how you feel about Baker Mayfield, whether you like him, you don't, you think he's a good quarterback or a bad quarterback. The way the Browns handled this situation was unfortunate. Yeah, a hundred percent. It it was, you know, dirty across the board and it, to your point, it reeks of desperation. And I think the Browns are, you know, they may have missed the memo that it's not really how our society operates anymore. We're not a win at all cost society. We like, we like to treat people well these days. We like to think about our actions these days. And, you know, if we've if history is taught as anything, these types of situations never result in what the people putting the plan together are hoping for, which is a Super Bowl. But, you know, you got to think of the other side of this, which is what do the free agents think of Cleveland now, especially seeing guys like Odell leave Cleveland last year. Baker will probably leave and you know find a successful career elsewhere. When people who leave your organization do better than when they were there, and you then bring somebody in who's convicted of or who's uh, you know accused of some serious things in these civil cases, and you structure everything around them, just like what the heck is happening in Cleveland right now, and why would you want to play there? Yeah, exactly. And and you know to be clear here, you know Deshaun Watson does have the opportunity to fight these civil cases and. You know, there might be a chance that, you know, he is completely innocent um, here. But the issue here is that you didn't let the process play out. You made the decision based on his talent, not based on the case. And that was that was very clear. And I, and I do want to push back a little bit on what, what, what you're saying. I feel like society, American society, is becoming more and more morally bankrupt, not morally conscious if you look at mainstream media we had a president who has a history of treating women like shit and and telling him to grab and say he wants to grab him by the pussy he became the president of the united states we are constantly 
looking the other way for our benefit. Everybody's looking for their selfish goals and their benefit. You see it in the music and what's being said. You see it in, in, in TV shows. You see it in everything. You see this kind of shift in society where all things go, nothing matters. And it's like, I'm all for personal liberties and freedom of choice. But I also do think that there is a, a moral obligation that I think we're that's being completely degraded um, in this kind of digital era. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I think it's it's an interesting perspective. I mean, I think just the fact that we're having the conversation marks the change that I'm talking about. And I think what what'll be interesting is the jersey sales numbers will speak the truth. You know, that'll reflect what America feels about this decision for Cleveland. I mean, here's the reality of what's going to happen here. This is going to be a story for six months. It, the civil suits get settled and it, because we have the case of Ben Roethlisberger, right? Ben Roethlisberger retired last season to nobody even really acknowledging what had happened. Same thing with Ray Lewis. You know, there's still questions about what he did that fateful night. But what happens when you win uh, in society and culture, people forget pretty quickly. And I think two to three years from now, if the Browns are competing for championships, it might be something that somebody writes in an article every once in a while, but nobody's going to care what he did, you know? Um, and that's, yeah, and that, that's a, well, that's a well-made point. I hope not, you know, I yeah. hope that's not the case. I hope that, you know, we continued like the thing that stood out to me about this, you know, and I, again, like I don't want to pile on somebody when they're, they're, you know, they haven't gone through the process here. So I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do that. But I think the thing that, stands out to me is that you have a guy who's been accused 22 times who by 22 different people all of whom have no real connection to each other yeah it's a pro athlete who specifically went after people who have never treated pro athletes yep every action reeks of predatory behavior and that's just not that's not the it details the details are actually assault right it's yeah. not just that he propositioned them and they said, yes, this is a situation where he was forced. What the details say is he's forced. He was forced forcing himself um, on women, you know, um, and that's those are those are serious allegations, you know, and I think it, the larger question, you know, and what what continues to be a question in society is, you know, how men treat women, you know, and what's acceptable by men. Um, you know, because a lot of a lot of men are looking at the situation and just saying, everybody knows what happens at massage parlors, you know, and it's like you actually have to you actually have to, like, pay attention to the case to not just dismiss it. And I think there are a lot of people who really think this was just a case of him going to seedy massage parlors um, and doing. See, no, this was he was seeking out professional mass massage therapists who did not work in this world you know yeah. what i mean he was looking uh, for he was looking for medical professionals yeah not yeah yeah and so it, it raises a lot of red flags it, obviously innocent till proven guilty but the red flags are there to say hey maybe we should pause before we give this guy a 250 million dollar contract to see how this plays out and they're basically saying we don't care <laughs> as yeah. long as he can throw throw the football good and run good um 
and isn't controversial and doesn't take any stance on anything real in society, then he can be the quarterback of our organization. But if he were to ever take a stand on anything, he'd probably be ushered out the door. <laughs> yeah. And all, you know, all we can hope in this situation is that Deshaun Watson gets the help he needs and that, you know, women around him don't have to feel unsafe. In this hundred percent, hundred percent. I do think that it's also the larger, the larger question that you have to ask yourself. And I think a lot of people go through this in business and in life is when you see a lot of immoral things happening around you, resisting the temptation to adjust how you live. If you do have a moral compass, resisting the pressure to do what everyone else is doing because you see everybody else being rewarded for bad behavior. So why shouldn't I? It actually is a challenge that a lot of people who have a a moral conscious face. And I think that really is the takeaway from this is to not let situations like this impact how you behave. Because at the end of the day, the reason that compass exists is not, is not just based on the fact that you're you're unable to get certain rewards that other people in society gets. It's how you would feel as somebody with a moral conscious. If you make certain decisions and win, you're still going to feel shitty about it. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the only check on this stuff. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, you know, I, I think that's a good tie to, um, you know, the, the day to day of it is that if you're trying to live a great life and treat people well, in, in our society, you may miss some opportunities. You may yeah. not make the most money. You may not have X, Y, Z happen, but it's worth it. Every single day becomes worth it. Yeah, and when you get to, when you don't have the weight of a hundred a million things on your shoulders of things that you did that you know are wrong, um, it allows you to live a pretty pretty nice life. Yes, yes, well said. And uh, you know, kind of moving forward to. You know, maybe the, the the opposite type of quarterback, the kind that has demonstrated the opposite character traits, Matt Ryan, um, getting sent from Atlanta to the Colts. Uh, this was an interesting um, interesting trade because Atlanta was highly in pursuit of Deshaun Watson as well. Yeah, and, um, I think Matt Ryan got kind of miffed the same way Baker got miffed, and he ended up you know in a situation that I think works to his benefit, a better opportunity to win at the Colts, an organization that values him. Um, and then for Atlanta, you know, they're stuck with this massive dead cap space hit as oh, honestly, like across the board here, we're going to see karma hit all of these NFL orgs that we're chasing in this situation. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Matt Ryan, for his last couple of years, instead of being in a rebuild situation in Atlanta, he gets to go to the Colts and essentially be a contender. Um they are a really good football team, um, and they needed a quarterback, and they got him, and they got a um, good quarterback. You know, based on his history, I don't know if Matt Ryan really has what it takes to get it done in big pressure situations. But regardless, he has been one of the top ten overall quarterbacks throughout his career, and that's a good win, especially and an upgrade over Carson Wentz. And I think. Also, we talked about this is just how well um, Chris Ballard um, played this situation out. He upgraded his quarterback and got draft picks um, and gave up a quarterback that's worse. So they were very patient in this process because a lot of people were like, 
why would they trade Carson Wentz without a backup plan? You know, but they clearly had a plan in place. Yeah. Um, they executed it and came out in a better with a better quarterback and draft picks, which I thought was pretty impressive. The Colts have been really impressive this offseason in that manner. They have a ton of draft picks. They're they're going to be probably the young team to watch in about two to three years, the same way the Bengals have become <clears throat> become that young team to watch. Um, the, the, the Colts are, you know, I, I remember the Tony Dungy days. That's the last time I'm really thinking of the Colts, right? And they have yeah. been in this almost rebuild phase for a while. It's nice to see the, uh, the Indianapolis Colts starting to tool back up again. It's a good organization with a great fan base. Um, you know, obviously, they play, they do the, uh, the combine in Indy every year, so this, that stadium gets some nice use. But, man, I mean, Matt Ryan's a perfect fit for Indy, I think. Excellent yeah. personality. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to have good protection for an older quarterback. He's going to have the protection he needs, a great running game. Um, and he might be what, you know, the Colts have not had a, a reliable quarterback situation um, legitimately since Andrew Luck left. I mean, Philip Rivers was very good, but he was also at the tail end of his career. And we'll see if, if Matt Ryan um, is an upgrade over Philip Rivers or if we're going to see the same story play out, uh, play out again in Indianapolis. Right. And then in the meantime, in Atlanta, now that Matt Ryan has left, Marcus Mariota has been brought into the mix. A very surprising name. I remember him uh, watching him get whooped by us when he was at Oregon. That was a satisfying memory. Um, good quarterback. You know, didn't really didn't really have his NFL career happen, you know, exactly the way it seemed like it was going to with all the hype around him when he was leaving college. But this could be a nice refresh and a restart for him at Atlanta. You know, now a very young organization that's, you know, moved on from a lot of its old era of talent and has created a lot of room for new names to step up into the mix. Yeah. I mean, the, the head coach has extensive experience with Marcus Mariota and I've always thought that Mariota could be a good NFL quarterback. He just never had the proper system or the proper coaches. He was constantly going through change after change. And I don't think a system was ever properly built around him to um, accentuate his strengths you know, and I think you saw some development in in Las Vegas uh, behind Carr and with Gruden, um, and you know he gets a second chance now. You know, and sometimes you know if it doesn't work the first time, you gotta go back, go back to the shop. Uh, you know, work out your kinks and and try again, and maybe this time it will he'll he'll be able to be a star quarterback in this league. Absolutely, His- absolutely, and I think. I think in Atlanta too. I mean, it's a town that loves its football team. It really does. And if you're a player in Atlanta, I, I just think it's it's a great situation to be in. There's a ton of retired players around, so you get the kind of mentorship and and advice that you need. There's a lot of them that hang around the Falcons ecosystem. I mean, I think it's a good move, especially especially where Atlanta is. They need to rebuild for a few years. They need to retool. They need to kind of reestablish who they are from an identity perspective. So this is a great opportunity for a, for a quarterback to come in and prove that a system should be built around them. Yeah. Yeah. And Arthur Smith is a brilliant offensive mind. So I think they'll compete, but it is obviously uh, Atlanta is acknowledging that they're in a full rebuild. Yes. 
And then now we got to talk about uh, the odd one out here, Baker Mayfield. Potentially, if he doesn't get moved, the like one of the most high-paid backup quarterbacks on any roster. Uh, this is a weird one, V. It's weird because he had the shoulder injury last year, kind of played through it, maybe shouldn't have, to be honest, now that we're looking back at how the year went, but has brought the Browns to their first playoff win in, in quite a while. Um, he's good. You know, he, he, I don't think, in, in my opinion, I don't think he's proven that he's great, but we have seen flashes of his potential. And uh, now he's in this weird spot where he's still stuck on the Cleveland roster. They just did this deal with Deshaun Watson. Clearly, they don't want him. And teams know that now. So the trade value for Baker Mayfield is definitely going to be a lot lower than it would have been even two weeks ago. You know, it's funny. You know, on last week's show, when uh, when um, the Broncos traded for Russell Wilson, I said, I hope I hope that the Browns can do something similar. I just didn't expect it to play out this way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, it's unfortunate for Baker Mayfield, but at the end of the day, I think there's a. it shows that they did pick up the fifth-year option. I think the most likely scenario here, um, nobody wants Baker Mayfield for real. No one's going to give up draft capital. I think the the jury is out in terms of evaluating um, they've got four years of film to evaluate the guy. I don't know if many teams really want to take a shot at him. What I think is going to end up happening here is Cleveland is going to release him, take the dead cap hit, um, whatever it is, 15, 16 million, because you can't have him in the building. You know, they've already traded for a backup quarterback in Jacoby Brissett. Um, and Baker Mayfield, you know, he's, he's going to collect $16 million. Uh, and hopefully find a landing spot somewhere where he can continue to develop. So he's not, you know, it's not woe is me. $16 million is a nice, is a nice, uh, nice check. Now I wish the Browns were smart enough not to pick up his fifth year option. If this was the plan all along to trade for a quarterback, another example of the Browns being the Browns. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I agree with you. I think there's too much young talent coming up these days for anybody to want uh, want to take a swing at a veteran quarterback especially with the price of a quarterback you can draft relative to a veteran quarterback. Um, we saw work out so well with Joe Burrow. I just think that the Bengals model is something that a lot of teams are going to try to repeat over the coming years. Yeah. I mean, and if you look at what the Bengals are doing, they're just getting stronger. They signed uh, Lyle Collins and a couple other great um, updates. They're fixing the offensive line. So Thank God. It's going to be a tough poor, division. Poor Joe Burrow last year got beat up the amount most quarterbacks get beat up in like three seasons. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be a battle. I mean, one thing I will say about Deshaun Watson is he is one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, and the Browns will definitely be very good um, at football. <laughs> <laughs> Now let's let's look a little bit to, to basketball, which has been an exciting time. You know, it was disappointing to see our Ohio State Buckeyes get knocked out by Villanova, but it was uh, yeah, not a bad not a bad showing, to be honest. That's kind of where I thought we would end up. Um, the one surprise has been St. Peter's, a small small university with a big heart, showing that just some guys. I saw this quote from one of the players. He's like, he's like. 
what you think we would be intimidated because other teams are playing tough he's like we're from jersey we're from new york we're the ones who play tough we're the ones they're intimidated of and just to see the attitude the energy it's just these guys are highly likable and it's been fun watching them play yeah what they don't have in talent they're making up for in heart and it's great to see they knocked off kentucky um and they also knocked off murray state which for people who don't know that's where john morant went and this team, literally, the team that they just beat in Murray State, um, had not lost a game in all of 2021. Wow. They were just dominating everybody, and they shut them down. Um, and it just goes to show, like, the team that wants it more can make up for a lack of talent. And that's what makes March Madness so great. You see examples of this every year. You see David taking down, I mean, <laughs> David taking down Goliath. I thought I was saying it wrong at first. Uh, <laughs> yeah. David taking down Goliath every, almost every year. You know what I mean? Um, and St. Peter's, you know, I don't, I don't understand how a team would be named St. Peter's Peacocks, but they are doing their thing over there. Yeah. They're crushing it, man. And it's going to be interesting. The, the team that I've been keeping an eye on, obviously, you know, two, two storylines. One, Coach K's last March Madness. Um, obviously comes with with its sadness watching him play and i saw an interview clip after duke's most recent win against michigan state of him really getting emotional just talking about how that win came from the heart that the players put in and it wasn't from strategy or coaching and it's nice to see a guy who you know probably the the greatest coach of all time in basketball or one of them um it's it's just it's amazing to see the last chapter of his career as it closes out yeah, and it was also pretty cool to see him go up against Tom Izzo uh, one last time, um, who's also a, a living legend as a coach as well. Um, very similar in terms of what they represent as human beings, too. Um, so uh, it was it was good to see, and it was good to see the Duke team show heart. Michigan State seemed like they were going to win the game, but they did it for Coach K, literally. I mean, obviously Duke has like three lottery picks, too, so they're not – by no means an underdog. Yes. It's just a matter of putting it all together. Yes, absolutely. And then I have to shout out. Um, I have to shout out a little bit of you know Ohio basketball. I uh, saw the Lakers and the Cavs play the other night, and uh, the the general level of skill that LeBron is putting on the court these days is is pretty absurd. And I think if you're watching basketball at all, tune into a couple Lakers games. Look at the way this man is playing. It is just. It's crazy. Like, I think he's better than he's been in the last few years. Yeah, he's better. Um, it's interesting. It's so hard to compare um, errors, but I do think that um, LeBron is pretty much an un unstoppable force um, in the current landscape of the NBA. Um, he pretty much can do whatever he wants um, on the court and can do anything that he wants which when you when you put those two things together it's a it's a deadly mix right yeah. and it's nice to see russell westbrook um start to play better as well um you would hope that lebron doesn't go out this season without making the playoffs at least yes um, that wouldn't be good um and the, the truth is the nba is not going to let a playoffs happen without LeBron if they can help it. <laughs> it's true. I mean, what what cards would you use to make that happen, V? <laughs> Literally talking to the team that's at, at 
at the spot below and saying, we're going to put a few more balls in that lottery uh, lottery machine for your team if you <laughs> if you just let LeBron make it. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, speaking of the lottery machine, um, one other player uh, in the March Madness that has been really impressive to me and I've been watching since he was in high school, Chet Holmgren on Gonzaga. Now he's not... He's not the vocal leader of the team yet. He's still a freshman, but he's a he's an insanely talented seven foot scorer that reminds me of Kevin Durant tremendously. And watching him play has been really exciting with Gonzaga through this whole this whole March Madness. Yeah, he's very similar in frame to Kevin Durant. It's going to be interesting to see if he's able to put it all together um, in the same way as Kevin Durant was able to. Um, I don't want to underestimate or under underserve Kevin Durant because that guy literally mastered how to play the game being that size, you know, because yeah. he's undersized and oversized at the same time. Um, he, he's just mastered the game of efficiency. He doesn't dribble too much. He knows exactly how to play within that frame. And if Chet studies all his tapes, like Kobe studied all of Michael Jordan's tapes, I think uh, he may have a shot though. Yeah, absolutely. And how unique is that to be a seven foot skinny guy and have such a great comp in front of you to, to have, you know, however many years, 13, 14 years of Kevin Durant footage to watch the evolution, to see the skills that actually made him great. That If I'm at homegrown, that's what I do every day is I pull up that film and I practice those moves. That's what that's exactly. You have the exact blueprint of the type of player you need to be at your size. And and to Chet's credit, if you looked at him last year as a high school senior and you look at him now as a freshman at Gonzaga, he's put on some mass. So yeah, and he he's, de- he's developing some great handling skills. He's facilitating the ball well. He plays yeah. well. He's a good player. Yeah, they had a little bit of a scare uh, yes. in, that, in that last game. But we'll see. I, my money right now, nobody's playing better basketball um, than North Carolina. You know, And it's surprising since that – Coach K win and the end of the season, early in the season, people thought they weren't weren't even in the top twenty-five. North Carolina not being in the top twenty-five was very surprising. But that's what happens when you have a new coach, new players, but they've developed through the season and now they're the hottest team in the tournament. So we'll see where this run goes. Absolutely. And it wouldn't be a news and notes if we didn't talk about Kanye. Um uh, the Grammys have canceled Ye for his behavior on social media. Um you know, this is this is one of those situations where the Grammys are being the Grammys and showing, you know, why, why they slowly lose relevance every year. Yeah, I mean, here here's, you know, uh, Trevor Noah, who is actually the target of some of Kanye's ire and who's hosting the Grammys, had the best quote um, I saw on Twitter. He said, I said, counsel, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, Kanye, not cancel, Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly right i mean look if the guy's dealing with mental health issues he is if he isn't he isn't and he's just playing a bit whatever you believe about him he's still a huge force in culture and still worth having perform whether it's a track or do something i mean the guy is just he's crushing it but i think the flip side is he may be too big for the grammys at this stage yeah, and I think also the nature of what's happening here is this is a guy who is going through a divorce. Just like take away the the, the Kanye Kardashian part of it and just say, okay, 
This is a guy who's going through a divorce. People who go through divorces act out in all kinds of ways. They just don't happen to be public figures, right? Yes. Um, and one thing about Kanye is he's always pretty transparent about his emotions and how he's feeling. I don't think there's any anybody who knows the history of this guy should be pretty rest assured that he's not going to do anything to hurt Pete Davidson. I don't think nothing in his behavior has shown that he's not going to do anything to physically harm the mother of his children. This is a guy who's acting out of emotion or is just playing the fact that these emotions are real. A lot of people probably relate to him and he's using them again, as he always does to manipulate media in a way, uh, in a way that garners the attention of those people because People understand when you go through breakups, all kinds of crazy stuff happens. No one wants to reveal it. Um, he's just acting it out, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, you could say embarrassingly and you could say this is intentional. Or if if you do believe that this is a guy who's in mental health crisis and if you watched if you watched the, the last episode of um, the Genius documentary, you saw that this is a guy that's got troubles, you know what I mean? Um, and to, to, to react to that, to say that we care about mental health and then to handle it this way is it's no handbook on handling mental health says that this is how you respond and how you should treat someone who's going through, uh, mental health trauma and, and, and nothing says it better than what Trevor Noah said, which he said, counsel, you know, do you want to help somebody or do you want to just take away their livelihood, make the situation worse. 100%. And, you know, for from a from Kanye's perspective, this only serves to increase his narrative. It only amplifies everything he's doing. And so the way that we react to the things that he does in society create revenue for him. I mean, yes. you can understand why he continues to lean in. Yeah, he's, he's mastered this. He knows at the end of the day, this is, we're talking about it right now. You can't go through a news cycle without hearing or talking about Kanye West. And like you said, the thing that, you know, they say this about train wrecks, right? The people who can who can see the train wreck and not stop, you know, um, and, and not get caught up in the train wreck are usually the people that, that have it together. You know what I mean? And if, if you don't like him or you don't like what he's doing, unfollow him on social media. You know, unfollow Kim Kardashian on social media, unfollow Pete Davidson, you know, take, take him off of your Google alerts. But <laughs> at the end of the day, people, people love this and they're, yeah. they, and that's why he's winning. And know? he's going through, to your point, be a real, a real circumstance that a lot of people go through and he's reflecting what a lot of people feel when they go through that. It's yeah. the most raw human thing you can witness. Yep. And the truth for me is I've reconciled this, you know, I go through and I've evaluated a lot of genius level talents like him who are as obsessive. If you study his catalog of music and you really evaluate how much he put into becoming a great musician, the same as can be said of great artists. A lot of them have these kind of behavioral issues, um, but I don't think anything that we've seen from Kanye is to the point of criminal behavior or anything that does harm to people outside of maybe himself. Um, and so that's the other thing is he's, he's created tremendous value. 
I like his music. I won't disconnect from his music. I don't feel the same way about him as as someone else, you know, or let's use the best example, R. Kelly. I don't feel the same way that I should cancel Kanye West because he says some idiotic things or he's emotional or he's unhinged at times. The separating the art from the artist, you know? Absolutely. And on that note of separating the art from the artist, we will be back in uh, our next episode to do a interview with the one and only basketball artiste and street baller bone collector which we're very excited about we've been working with him at lasso he's got an amazing story um so stay tuned for that that's going to be in our next episode that we release and uh until then uh be you and you is fly stay moving pilot boys out pilot boys we get on the